This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Jetson's there, Billy Head! A goal, Chris Billy Huddersfield Town! The most famous goal of Chris Billy's life. Is this the moment for Lee Fowler? It is. Take your place in Division 2, Huddersfield Town. Champion Steve Simonson's boots now. He's missed. Steve Simonson clears the frame of the goal and collapses in a heap of tears. Huddersfield Town are promoted. Stephen Schindler has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. And he takes that chance! Start recording? Yeah. Cool. Um, by the way, I'll let you have a look at this. Uh, before it goes live, I'll let you have a look at the article and stuff just to double check I mean I don't think you're going to say anything too controversial but yeah um <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on Laura anyway um I suppose I'll start with um how are you and how's the last few months been because it's been a bit crazy for everyone hasn't it um yeah I'm uh, I'm, I'm good thank you um I think the last few months obviously not being at work and I think it's been a strange time for everybody um We've not really been able to train sort of as a team up until recent weeks or train at all, um, other than maybe probably a month ago, a month and a half ago now, um, where we could train in small groups. But I think we did a lot at home um, on things like Zoom. Uh, we did workouts. We got sent runs to complete each week. So I think that really helped us as a group or me as an individual to stay focused, um, keep fit keep healthy um I think it probably helped a lot mentally for a lot of people as well um having something to still focus on if you're not at work you're not doing sport you're not exercising everything was shut everyone was sort of stuck at home so I think it sort of gave us something to do something to focus on um so yeah I think I think we're all glad that things are starting to come back to normal um and I'm really glad that we can train again, um, obviously as a full squad, not even just as small groups. 
Um, so that's been a really positive thing. Um, obviously, well, I'm a teacher, so I don't go back to work till September. Okay. So though things are, I'm still on school holidays. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to sort of going back to work um, and just a bit more normality, really. But yeah, I think I think we've had a good a good group together t- to keep us going through lockdown. Definitely. Yeah. What is it that you teach? Sorry, is it is it physical education or? Yeah, secondary yeah. Uh, secondary school. So I teach years seven to eleven, and then we have a, a sixth form attached. So I teach sixth form as well. Right. Uh, how do they feel that they're getting taught by a well a, a good striker like yourself? How, how do the kids find it? Um, I think some of them um, who sort of are into football and stuff, they have a little bit of banter with me. I think more so the sixth form. Um, students that I have, I have a lively bunch of football boys All who right. do they, they train and then they do like a vocational course alongside. Um, I get some stick off them if I don't score or if I lose. Um, but yeah, all together, um, it's quite good. And obviously, I run um, starting last year. I run the girls' football at school. Mm-hmm. Um, so knowing a few people, sort of. Um, Beth England went to my college who plays for Chelsea. Oh, yeah. uh, he sent um, a number of things, either like videos or she sent a load of Chelsea kit, football boots and stuff for presentations. Um, so that's been really good to obviously our students to be able to have things that have come from someone who's on such a big platform. Um, I think it really inspires them in some ways um, to be able to obviously have some form of contact with someone who's playing on the biggest stage of women's football. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really nice. It's a nice thing to sort of be able to bring to the table for the students. No, definitely. And, um, I mean, you were talking about the team and, like, you know, during lockdown you were doing workouts and Zoom. And how, how was that? Was that um, – did they get on all right? Because, obviously, we've, we've heard stories about people like um, – I think there was even a rumour that um, Danny Ward, who's just signed for the, the men's team, he was doing – stuff at like Kurt Burton Rec or stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I think um, when you're looking around, I mean, I saw all the stuff come out about all the Man United players, you know, being down at their local park and being asked mm-hmm. to move. Or I think everyone was basically just looking for either a space where they could work out or pretty much all of us were doing it for probably the first few months in our garden. Mm-hmm. Um, so the workouts were doing hip workouts. Um, yeah. So we didn't need a Base. obviously it was accessible for everybody everyone these days has got some kind of smartphone where they can get on zoom so it was like you know about 30 of us from first and reserve team um it would all get on one of the coaches would lead it um we went through that we had a really um like quite an intense time at first where we'd do like three hit workouts a week we'd have a flexible two flexibility sessions and a strength session and then there'd be a day's rest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we had a good variety of stuff. And I think because we did that for so long, everyone's come back fitter than what they left the season, which is a good thing. Um, it, it got notched down a little bit just before we started to come back to training because we'd not really had an off-season. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's nice for people to just have the freedom because things were becoming sort of less strict with lockdown. People were going back to work, people started having things, so then things started to simmer down a little bit. 
um, but we still do it now. We train Tuesday, we train Thursday, we've got friendly Sundays, and then we do a workout on a Wednesday, which is sort of classed as a gym session. So obviously once the season starts, we'll be in the gym on a Wednesday. Um, but yeah, I think it just worked really well. Everyone was just going for like a local park. Um, I went to my local park just up the road, mm-hmm. which backs onto school, so I could do my running there. Um, but yeah, I just, I just think everyone would just, no matter what level you played at, I think we were all in the same boat. So no one could go to a facility, no one could go anywhere. So it was literally find a patch of grass and go, go do what you can. Um, but yeah, I think it worked well. No, definitely. And um, I mean, for some of our listeners who might might not know about yourself, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how, how you got into football? Um, I started playing football, I think it was about eight or nine. Um, I've always been quite sporty and outdoorsy, so I've always liked to be outside, playing in the muck, um, which not every girl is. I mean, I was still obsessed with my dolls, my Barbies, my brats and all that. But then I liked the other stuff. I liked cars or stuff like that, which I think came more from my dad. Um, so I used to play out with my dad. I used to beg him to go to the park to play football. So we used to go and I never wanted to come home. So my dad was like, do you want to play for a team? So my dad found me my local team, which at the time was Bart Green. Um, it was only five, ten minutes from my mum's house. Um, so yeah, I went down and I absolutely loved it. Um, at the time I did dancing, swimming, and then I just started football. Right. So as an older football became more frequent I started playing at Sheffield United Academy in their like development setup mm. um, and it got to the point where I had to choose so swimming went first and then a little bit later on I had to quit dancing as well um, so we get age with both where you had to commit more time to each um, a lot of them were on the same days so in the end football was the last one standing um, so I've just gone through um, all my sort of secondary life, secondary school life, adulthood. I've always played. I've always represented like my school, my college, my university. Um, so yeah, I'm still going. I still really enjoy it. Um, it's something I'm really passionate about. Obviously, we've got a new setup at town this season, um, new management and you know, th- things are working differently. So I think for me personally, I want to play at Huddersfield Town and for us to play as high as we possibly can, uh, which I think is everybody's aim, sort of when you mm-hmm. surpass development, um, you're looking to play at the best level you possibly can. Um, and I, I love playing at Town. Um, so hopefully if we can do that as a squad and push forward, um, then that's that's the goal, I think. Um, but I, I think football has always been for me the one thing that I've never really got bored of or mm. wanted to give up. So hopefully that stays. <laughs> well, yeah, it's open for the for for the town too as well. And um, so obviously you talked about how you were really active. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit lazy now compared to all the stuff you were doing when you were a kid. Um, who were you kind of like football heroes growing up, or like you know, do you get? I suppose you have uh, current heroes in the game as well. So. Um, well, <laughs> from Barnsley, I spot Barnsley, but I also loved Manchester United. Right. So I'm a United. Fan. So my tenth birthday, I got my first Man United kit. 
Um, and on the back, I had number 10 and then my name. And number 10 was Rooney. Yeah. Um, I, I wore my Man United kit to the Barnsley game because it was on my birthday, which was a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got a lot of stick off a lot of men. <laughs> I mean, I was only 10. Yeah. So, um, but I think sort of growing up, I loved Ronaldo, his twinkle toes. He was so good on the ball. He was so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also liked players. Well, I liked watching strikers like um, Henri, mm-hmm. um, obviously Rooney, Van Persie. Um, just strikers that just had, um, there was just a bit of a different class. Even Drogba, I mean, I hated Chelsea when I was younger because they used to challenge Man United all the time. But mm. I could appreciate sort of his style of play, his gameplay. Um, and as a child, I used to wait up all day to watch Match of the Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was literally like trying to peg my eyes open just to stay awake. But I just, I just loved watching it. And then I'd get up on a Sunday morning and I'd watch it all over again. Um, much to probably my mum and my sister's annoyance that I was always at the TV, the football on. Um, but yeah, I loved it and I liked watching so many different teams. Um, growing up, at Man United was my team, but I enjoyed watching Arsenal because they had such a different style of play. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was just generally interested in football as a whole, um, as opposed to specific players but there was attributes from different players that I wanted to create into my own game yeah uh, but I think growing well sort of growing up I was always a centre midfielder and then I think sort of as you get a little bit older coaches kind of guide you into where they think you can play best yeah. so I always appreciated and maybe more so now I appreciate midfielders like De Bruyne and just the way that they like, the way you can pass a ball, um, get the ball round. Um, but yeah, I think as well, these days it's bigger to look at the European stage as opposed to just the Premier League. Yeah. Um, so I think that gives a lot of different styles of play, different formations, different sort of ways of attacking and defending um, tactics of the game. So I think it's just interesting now that we've got access to more football than just English football. Um, so that's a pleasure to watch as well, to sort of learn from um, and put ideas into the game. Yeah. Is there any kind of, because you mentioned quite a few strikers there, is there any, as a striker, is there any people that you think, oh, I'm quite similar to them or, you know, I, I think they're really good at this and this is kind of what I'm going to include in my style. Do you do much studying or is it kind of instinctive? Um, I've been, I've been compared to players. So... Drogba, Rooney, um, <laughs> one of my friends says Maratta, just from one of the ways. Um, but I think I understand where it comes from. So generally it's your centre-backs, they bully your strikers. Whereas I'm quite tough on the pitch, so I'll sort of give as good as I get. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I say like Rooney, he used to be a little bit of a hothead and he'd put a tackle in or a challenge. Drogba, he was strong and feisty. And I think sort of if you look at like Giroud, for example, for Chelsea this season, he's been one who will tussle and battle with defenders. Um, and I think that's sort of my gameplay as well. Um, I can do I can do other stuff, but I'm more in there, like I'll give a good hustle and bustle as to what I sort of get back. So I think that might be sort of the kind of players that I would compare 
myself to um, in the style of play. Um, I think in the women's game, the strikers are quite different. Mm-hmm. I think um, a lot of female strikers are a lot more uh, agile. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you've got this season, like Beth England at Chelsea, you've got the Arsenal strikers, uh, Man City. They all have sort of a different game. Um, so I think watching them play at such a high standard, you try and pick things off each of them. Um to say, you know, maybe like one thing in my game I'd like to better at is attacking headers. So, like, if I watch them play and I watch them score, you know, with headers, like um, when England play and stuff like that, that's something that I can try and look at and adapt into my own game. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, again, for, for those who don't know, I mean, I, I we talked before, uh, before we started this, but um, wanted to know a bit more about your f- footballing journey. So, obviously, you mentioned a couple of teams you played for before you got to Huddersfield, but um, yeah, just tell us a little bit about your career so far and how you ended up at Huddersfield. Um, I'd, I'd had the first time I'd moved sort of over to this side in terms of teams because I'd always been Sheffield based. Um, was when I went to uni, so I went to Leeds Met, which is obviously now known as Leeds Beckett, um, and I joined Leeds City Vixens. Um, just because I wanted to play for a team over here. Um, after that, the team sort of disbanded. There was a, a quite a different wide age range. So I think the team disbanded um, and we sort of joined together with Geisley. Mm-hmm. So they were then called Geisley Vixen. So we'd, we'd merged because it was going to disband. Right. Um, so um, for, I think it was a season um, and I played in the reserves league and then the opportunity just arose to go to Bradford. So I went to Bradford and I played for, I think it was a season in the reserve setup, um, yeah. which just obviously helped with development. Or it might have been, I can't remember if it was one or two seasons. Um, but I think that helped a lot to be around sort of players of a higher status. So they played in a higher league. The players that Bradford had in their first team were really talented as a team and as individuals um, and it was something to sort of strive towards so it gave me a little bit of ambition a little bit of fire and belly because I thought well I want to be part of that setup I want to be pushing to get on the bench or play for the first team mm-hmm. um, and eventually that did happen um, and I enjoyed all the time that I spent at Bradford um, it was a really good bunch of girls to play with um, I felt that I'd developed and that I'd been given an opportunity to play in the league um, that obviously I still play now um, and just sort of understand the league and its physicality, the demands, the fitness because even though you sort of train together as a reserves and you do do stuff, the game day is very different. Um, mm. It's just not not quite as intense, I'd say, um, or intense for prolonged periods of time. So I'm thankful that I got that opportunity Um Things sort of, I think, behind the scenes at Bradford, the manager had left. Um, they'd not brought another manager in. I think there was a bit of a lack of communication with players. So a lot of us looked at other clubs. Um, that's when I looked at Huddersfield Town um, and I made the move over there. And I've enjoyed it ever since. Um, 
we've had two seasons we played under Ashley Vickers and then this season um, Jordan Wimpenny has taken over as manager. Um, we've got a new setup with coaches and sort of backroom staff analysis. We've got physios and nutritionists and things like that. So I think all round Jordan's so far made the club sort of as professional as it can be without being promoted to the league above, mm-hmm. um, which is a start and it's something that's really nice to be a part of. I think together as a team and as a squad and as a club, we've got goals and targets of where we want to go, what we want to achieve. Um, so at the moment, I'm, I'm really happy at town. Um, just hopefully when, we, when the season starts on the 20th of September, we hit the ground running. Um, and we start the season with a win and three points. Yeah, no, here's hoping. And I, I was actually going to ask about the, because um, you mentioned about the new coach and uh, the kind of changes behind the scenes. How have you, I know it's only pre-season, but um, how has it felt so far? Does it feel like a, an exciting thing to, to be a part of? Yeah, I think generally when we get to training, um, it's much more regimented. Um, and I don't mean that in sort of a, a bad way, I mean it in a really good way, that um, players are expected, I mean training starts at seven, so before it was we would all be turning up at seven o'clock, then we need to boot up, then we need to warm up, um, and it could at times be quite lethargic and not very, like we'd finish one thing and the changeover to the next part would be quite different and it'd take quite a while and sometimes we didn't necessarily feel that we were working on um things that went wrong at the weekend. So if something specific hadn't worked on Sunday, mm. we didn't feel that we'd necessarily work on it that week before the next game. Yeah. Um, so sometimes it felt as though training was drills rather than focusing on sort of what we needed to work on as a team or, or as individuals. Um, so with the regimented, I mean, now like we arrived training with 15 to quarter seven, 6.45, at seven, training starts. If you need to see the physio, if you need to do your own warm-up or you need to do something else, then you're expected to arrive early. Um, mm. We all warm up. We go from drill to drill to drill. Every session we have some form of fitness, um, whether it's running, um, whether it's power, strength, training, we do something along those lines. Um, and it's just... There's a reason why we do everything. It's explained to us. We know why we're doing each practice. And I think that helps you to get into a zone where you are putting in your maximum amount of effort. Um, We all have to wear a vest at training with a pod. So he can track how many kilometres we've run, so the distance we've covered, the power plays, there's top speed that we've hit in the session. Um, and he set the marker that he expects that we run between seven and eight kilometres per training session, which mm-hmm. we've all been achieving um, because the drills are there for us to achieve it. But mm-hmm. if you want to start hide away or, you know, not really push yourself, then maybe you, you won't hit around that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really good. It gives you something to work towards. Like when I go to training, I know that I'm there and I'm there to work hard. And everybody else knows that. If you don't want to go and you don't want to work hard, then you will be spoken to. Mm. Um, which I think is a good way. I think it, it gets the team to raise the bar. The standard is high and that's where it's been set. And if you want to come below that, then you obviously need to work harder. Or, you know, like coaching staff will talk to you. Um, you can talk to physio, whatever it is, to make sure that we're all 
playing to the best of our ability, which I think so far it's worked. So all being well, we continue that as individuals and as a squad. Yeah. And how do you feel pre-season's going? I know it's two games so far, but I've noticed you got a couple of goals already. It sounds like you're feeling good. You know, you got any kind of targets this season as well, like tallies to break or? Um, I think for the last two seasons sort of at town, I've not really had the opportunity to find my best form. Um, I've had a few interruptions with injuries um, and then it was like squad rotations. I never felt that I had more than maybe two or three games where I'd start more than two or three games on the bounce, then I'd be on the bench again and then it rotated. So I think this season my aim is one, to stay fit, avoid injury, um, which I think through all the strength and conditioning, the physios and everything else that's been put in place for us is something that's achievable. Um, you know, we all pick up niggles, but the main thing is that we all stay fit. Um, I'd like to, obviously as a striker, score as many goals as I possibly can, assist as many goals as I can, because that essentially... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Plays my role within the team. So I think on a personal note, the, the main thing for me is what we achieve as a team. But on a personal note, any striker would like to either score the most for their club or the most in the league. So it's just something to work towards. But I think moving forward pre-season, we've, we've hit the ground running so far. Um, everybody's up for it. Everybody gets involved. If you start on the bench or if you start on the pitch, everybody's got the right attitude, um, which I think is really important that you know we realise that as a squad, you can't win the league with 11 players. Mm-hmm. So everybody's got a crucial role to play. Um, it might be that, you know, like, for example, there's me and Georgia who are battling for the striker's position. Mm. If, if in the formation we only play with one, one of us will be on the bench. We've both got a different style of play. We've both got different attributes. So that's down to, obviously, management to look at our opponent. And it might be that one week I suit that better. It might be the next week that George suits it better. But it's just about us all accepting that. We've all got a part to play, whether that's starting or on the bench. And I think that has been drilled into us and that people's attitudes are really good so far. So, so long as we can keep pre-season the way it's going, hopefully that is achievable. Keep getting um, on the score sheet for us to keep you know, winning games. Then when the season starts, it should be, it should be good. Yeah, and what's, what, what do you think about this season? Do you think you have a good chance of, um, of doing well and getting promoted? Is that the kind of feeling in the camp? Or? Um. I think so. I think because we've had such a big change and a big shift on 
sort of management mm. um you know we, we've created sort of a, a dna for the club this season we are you know what kind of team we are what style of play we're going to play the formation that we're going to play and we work on it every single day when we're in training so we know that that is how we are expected to play. We all know what our role is. We all know where we should be and what we should be doing and what's expected. So when we're looking at our squad, we've got so many talented players within our squad that there's no reason why we can't compete against any other squad in our league to win every game. Um, there's some really good players in our league, really good teams. But when we look at our team, we are one of those as well. So if we can find our form as a team, carry it forward, build some momentum and do what's being asked of us, there's no reason at all why we can't all just push forward and hopefully, the aim, well, the aim always is, isn't it, to win the league, but hopefully this season we come either top or second. That's the big aim. Yeah, well, you know, well, good luck to you is what, what I say. And uh, I was going to ask because... Um, you know, before this, I mean, it seems like ages ago, but um, you guys played at the the John Smith Stadium against Ipswich. I know it wasn't the uh, the best in terms of results, but um, how did that feel like in terms, you know, in front of a record crowd? Is that kind of what, you know, do you, are you hoping for kind of more opportunities like that to, you know, to, to play at the bigger stadiums? And... Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, the experience as a whole for us was, it was great. Obviously, we all really enjoyed it, um, getting to play on, you know, like a, a lovely ground, on a lovely pitch. Um, it was a really good experience and it was great to see so many people turn out to support us, um, whether they be supporters of the men's team, the women's team. It was nice to see that sort of Huddersfield Town as a club got behind us um, and the men's team sort of got behind us and just the entire club. So I think moving forward, it would be great for us to keep that um, relationship going with sort of the men's side as one club going forward. Um, but yeah, I think it was really good. Obviously, the result wasn't what we wanted. And, you know, there's so many different reasons for what went on. But I think if we were given the opportunity again to obviously play at the stadium um, and things like that, I think we'd definitely be back with a vengeance because we wouldn't want to walk away. Um, on the losing side again, because um, it was a tough one to take, that one. No, definitely. And um, I mean, you talked about kind of pushing forward as, as the men's and women's team. Um, we saw, obviously, with the kit, that you were involved in the kit launch with some of the, with uh, Lewis O'Brien. Um, first of all, how was that? And do you feel like the men and women's team are becoming better connected? Um, yeah, definitely. I think it was really nice. Um, of the club to invite the women's team to obviously join in the shoot. Um, and it was nice to be involved in, in the videos and, you know, sort of just part of what the club is as a whole. Um, for me, it was, a, it was a good experience. It was nice to get involved. Um, like we went down on the day, we all had our photos out. We went round the ground and had the different photos taken. Um, it, it was just a really good day. It was nice to see that... Um, you know, the men's team, the men's club appreciated that we'd gone down to um, help with the kit and, you know, they were really hospitable. It was really nice. Um, and hopefully moving forward, it's something that we can continue to be a part of. Um, I don't know if in previous years, maybe we've, we've photographed separately or what's gone on, but it's, I think it was, it was quite nice that they'd invited us to go as opposed to, um, maybe looking for 
alternative models or um, whichever route they normally take. So, yeah, it was a really good experience. And I think moving forward, it seems that we, we are moving forward as sort of one club together as opposed to two separate um, teams, which, which is really good. What do, you, what do you think of the kits? Because um, I suppose it's kind of been mixed opinion from the fans. Do, you, do players care about what the kits look like? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I think we all have an opinion on it, but I think the general consensus for us is we like the kit. Um, mm. We like, I mean, the home kit is always going to be blue and white. I don't think there's, there's any surprises there. Mm. Um, I think we had a few comments that the away kit looked a bit like the England away kit. Yeah. that was unbelievable. Um, but yeah, for us, sometimes we have the away kit, sometimes we have the third kit. It depends how the colours match up against the home kits of those in our league. Um, so I think last season, a bit like the men's, we wore the coral away kit. Um, and the men wore that more than their actual away kit. Um, yeah. The third kit. So um, I'm not sure which one we'll get this season um, or if we'll have both. But I think, I think the kits are nice. They seemed really nice on the day. So yeah, yeah. looking forward to it. New kit. Well, I'm sure you'll pull off the uh, bright yellow better than I would if I wore it. So, um, <laughs> um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, women's football um, in general. Um, does it is it frustrating um, as a women's footballer to have the game compared to the men so frequently? Um, I don't think it's frustrating that there's a comparison because football is one game if netball was played by both men and women there would be a comparison sort of when you look at basketball the NBA the men's and women's are compared I think that when you play a sport and there's a men's side and a women's side there's always going to be some kind of comparison Um, I just think the only part that is maybe frustrating for women is some of the derogatory comments um, or homophobic comments um, that are made towards female footballers um, Mm -hmm. Or that sort of insinuate that women shouldn't play football. Um, I think that's the only thing that is frustrating. Like we're in the 21st century now, you know, <laughs> women and men can each do whatever they want, whether it's, you know, typically that football is a men's sport, that women play it, or typically where you'd look and say, well, dancing's for girls, but it's not because boys can dance as well and be just as good at it. So I think. Um, just some of the stereotypes that come with it can be a little bit frustrating at times. Um, I mean, there was something on Twitter and, and I saw it on Facebook as well, where I think it was a girl from our league had posted something online about the upcoming season and she'd just got such a long list of men commenting on it with just not very nice things. Um, and I just, I just don't think there's any need. Um, you know, a lot of it, the, 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 a lot of men generally talk about money um, right. and no one's expecting to be paid an equivalent of a men's game because the men's game generates so much money and income for a club that that's why they can afford you know their wages are a ridiculous amount of money and you know the sponsorship and everything else mm. so I think for women it's it is a different game it's female football and the expectations and the money and sort of the day-to-day life, even if somebody who plays football at the highest level, is completely different to somebody who plays football in the Men's Premier League because of the monetary value of what can be offered to the club. But I think other than that, I don't mind, you know, the women's game being compared to the men's because, I mean, I'd do it myself. I'd talk about 
what Chelsea women have achieved and what Chelsea men have achieved or you know you look at like what the England women have achieved and then the England men have achieved and I think it's a natural thing that you would compare just the same as you might compare Man United and Arsenal mm. as a team might compare the men's and women's I don't think there's anything wrong with that so long as it's not sort of in a derogatory manner yeah no and um I mean that's awful to hear but um have you, or as the you know, for teams you've been playing, have you experienced any kind of personal abuse, or um, you know, as your teammates experienced any kind of abuse when playing? Um, I think there's been a few occasions where comments have been made or names have been called at people. Um, I think as adults, you kind of just turn a blind eye to it sometimes, but then it's a bit of a it's. To have to turn a blind eye to something when you're simply just playing sport is not really right, I don't think, in a way. Um, I don't think, I've not personally had, other than comments on social media, so like, for example, the other day, someone commented on the social media about the kit, saying that, well, it, it looks rubbish, probably mm. swap, um, whether it's on a man or a woman, um, and... You know, just comments like that, it's, it's not really necessary to voice <laughs> that opinion yeah. on. It's just ridiculous. But um, other than that, I don't think I've ever been personally sort of victimised. Other than it generally is social media. Right. Um, you know, where people can hide behind a screen and a keyboard um, and make comments that, you know, they're not necessarily going to be challenged about. Um, but besides that, not personally, no. Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting because I I, uh, I spoke to um, Proud Terrors, which was obviously the LGBT uh, plus group for Huddersfield Town. Um, and I was wondering if you know, because uh, um, obviously in the women's game, a lot more people are, um, you know, have come out and it's kind of, you know, it's a lot more accepted. But in the men's game, there is there is no openly gay footballers. Um, I was just wondering, why do you think that is? It's I've heard before, obviously, women's football gets talked about how it's more community-based. Is there a particular reason, do you think, why uh, people are more open in the women's game than men's, in terms of that? Um, I don't know if maybe in the women's game, predominantly, you know, there might be more people that are homosexual than in the men's game. Um, so maybe it's more widely accepted because in most teams, you know, there might there might be a number of people who are gay, lesbian, or whatever. Um, so maybe people feel more comfortable in the women's game that, you know, somebody else is, is like that in the team so they can communicate it. Um, but sometimes I think it just comes back to just the same old that men don't always like to talk about feelings or that maybe it wouldn't be accepted. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of, you know, banter flies around a changing room and stuff like that. Um, maybe that is partly to do with it. Um, maybe the fact that in the Premier League, I mean, I know there's been stories that have come out that there's there's two gay footballers in the men's Premier League, but mm-hmm. you know they don't dare to bring out their name. Um, and I, I just think that if that's how somebody is, that they shouldn't have to hide it through fear of prejudice or through not being accepted by others. Um, so I think maybe that is something that could be sort of integrated in the development. So when when boys sort of join academies and stuff and they're at like 11, 12, 13, that maybe 
at school, at school, like kids have to do sex education mm. or PS to learn about safe sex, sexuality, um, and different things like that that possibly football clubs can offer younger, like young boys or young males, some sort of insight into, you know, sexuality and acceptance of others to maybe help promote people being able to be honest and not having to sort of hide away who they are or who they love as such. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good point because, I mean, as you mentioned, it's kind of, you know, it's 2020, you know, this, this shouldn't be an issue. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think the education's a really good point, actually. Um, I wanted to talk about the... So, obviously, there was kind of a bit of a momentum um, last summer because you had, the, obviously, the Women's World Cup. It seemed like more people were tuning, tuning in than ever. And there was kind of more attention um, in the game, or it certainly felt that like that in some aspects and we saw a bit of a rise in attendances um given the pandemic and the, the season was null and voided do you think it kind of took um the momentum away in some aspects or you know do you think it's kind of the same as before um i think that i think the momentum will come back i think people will have missed going out and actually being able to watch football live and go to a stadium um so i think momentum will pick up i think in terms of the women's game um i don't think it'll impact on sort of the the super league or the championship i think maybe at our level maybe maybe that's passed because the women's world cup has passed um but i think particularly at our level when we are given opportunities to play at our club stadium, such as the John Smiths, um, I think that gives more people a little bit of, of food for thought. So they think, well, oh, they're playing down there. Oh, like, you know, we might go down and watch. Or So I think opportunities to play in front of or at better venues encourages people to come and watch because it's somewhere that they're familiar with. It's, it's you know, maybe down the road or... You know, sometimes they'll do offers that if you're a season ticket holder, you could come for free or for a reduced price. I think things like that do help promote and push the women's game. Um, and the fact that, you know, sometimes we're featuring the programme or, you know, they'll, they'll talk about was at half time. Just things like that can help us get a higher attendance sort of for our games. Um, so hopefully that continues this season. But Yeah, so you think it's more about the visibility, kind of keeping that, keeping that going? And just say, yeah, yeah. Well, I can I can testify because I uh, obviously I'm season ticket holder for for the men's team, and uh, they, there's an old old chap in front of me, and he he's testified that the women's team are playing far much better than the men's. So uh, if that's encouragement for everyone, I don't know what is. Um, <laughs> so I just want to um, I just want to talk a little bit about the um, the fundraiser because um, you know you all have to currently have to pay to play and um, obviously the donations going towards your sister's page. So can, can you tell us a little bit about the the pay to play and uh, about your sister and, and the page you set up? Um, yeah, I think um, sort of at our level, we have to pay to play. So on average, it's about £300 per season to pay to play over 10 months. So it'd be about £30 a month if you were to pay it yourself. Um, ultimately, they encourage us to find a sponsor, um, which we do ourselves. Or you know, we've been lucky this season that our club has tried to help us find a sponsor. Um, so they would pay the you know the three hundred pound for the season. Um, some sponsors. So I'm sponsored by um, a letting company, or well, they deal with um, lots of different 
housing things. Um, Ryle, they've also paid towards my boots for the season. Um, I know some other sponsors will contribute for um, travel or, you know, things like that. Um, so I think we're really lucky that we have sort of members of the community who come forward to help us so we don't actually have to pay. Um, but I think that's why they've set up this fundraiser because there will be people within the, the first team or the reserve squad who might not have been able to get a sponsor. So this money could help to contribute towards their expenses for the season um, so that they might not have to pay as much. Um, the money would also contribute towards training facilities, um, kit, um, you know, things like that. Um, items for physio. Um, obviously, my sister... Not, not this May, so it was May last year, mm. was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and then in August, it had spread to a sternum and a spine. Um, and it's known as metastatic breast cancer, um, which at the moment there isn't a cure for. Um, so the club kindly suggested that when they did some fundraising, that a certain percentage of the money went to Emma's charity um, and the rest towards the club. Um, so the double E page, which is um, the name of the fundraiser um, that we set up for Emma, it's got Instagram, Twitter, um, Facebook and stuff like that. And we do lots of different events. We've got a black tie event coming up um, in November on the 14th in the Barnsley area. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's just a case of the club's been really supportive of the fact that I'm doing a lot of fundraising for Emma to enable her to experience things. Um that they've sort of joined on board um, and we also had a donation from the Huddersfield Town Supporters Club um, at the last season who kindly donated some money towards it as well which was really nice and obviously we appreciated it a lot. Yeah and obviously without delving in too much how, how are you feeling how's Emma doing is, is everything you know going okay? Yeah I think she's feeling good um, she completed her active treatment um, so she rung the bell God, when would it have been? A good few months ago now. Um, and now she is continuing with, um, it's like a form of chemotherapy treatment, um, but it isn't one that makes her lose her hair. So her hair's growing back. Um, she's back to work. She's managed to get a promotion at work. So things are going well and things are looking up. It's just a case of, you know, getting back to normality. Um, I think obviously the pandemic's affected everybody in different ways but besides that I think getting back to normality will be really good. No definitely and um, well obviously we'll uh, you know we'll drop in the link you know for anyone who wants to donate um, for sure but um, yeah just just I I mean thanks so much for your time Laura just before I go is there anything you kind of want to say or um, anything anything we can add? Um, No just just to say that you know um, we are thankful for all the support um, of people either coming to watch or supporting us as a club to buy things or for training facilities um, to sponsors, obviously, who sponsor us to enable us to play for free, essentially, or to not have to pay ourselves. Um, so I just think it's, you know, we'd love for everyone to get behind us this season, come down and support us, and hopefully more opportunities to play sort of the John Smiths or larger stadiums in cup or league games um will come and hopefully that'll be an opportunity for more people to come down and see us yeah no sounds great i mean well you know sounds like it's going well in three seasons so uh so good luck for the rest of the season and uh i look forward to seeing you with a picture of the trophy at the end <laughs> hopefully hopefully thanks a lot for speaking. Cool. no worries thanks laura Cheers.
There's a team that is dear to its followers. The colors are bright blue and white. They're a team of renown. They're the pride of the town. And the game of football is their delight. And all the while upon the field of play, thousands loudly cheer them on the way. Often you can hear them say. Who can beat the town today? And then the bells will ring so merrily, and every goal shall be a memory. So town, play up and bring that cup back to others. So town play up, bring the cup back to Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery afterwards. Three points, not nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van, unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.